of them. Or you can uh, use your Bible app on your phone, or you can follow along on the, the screen. We're continuing a series that we've been in, a long series, a big one called As Told by a Scoundrel. This is a journey through the book of Matthew. We're calling it this because Matthew was kind of a, a scoundrel before he met Jesus. He was a tax collector. He was uh, a selfish, greedy guy, and then he got flipped upside down. His life was, uh, or his heart was flipped upside down. Uh, not literally flipped upside down, uh, but his heart was changed by Jesus. Uh, he wrote the first book of the New Testament, and uh, we're, going through, we're going through his gospel uh, of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. Um, uh, as of late, like the last nine, ten weeks, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and, and the focus was on the character of the kingdom of God. Like, what does it mean if you've been transformed by Jesus, if you've placed your faith in him, and you've moved from what the Bible calls the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus, if you've been born again by his spirit, then what does it mean to live out his, his character in this broken world? What does it mean to have the character of Jesus change us and be different and be salt and light in this broken world? That was the last nine or ten weeks. Pastor Rigo finished that up last week. And today we're going to start a new focus. That new focus is we're going to call authority over the curse. It's in Matthew's chapter, chapters 8 and 9. We're going to be looking at a bunch of miracles and a bunch of demonstrations of Jesus' power. So he didn't just talk about the kingdom of God. He didn't just talk about the kind of character we should have lest anybody say, well, he was a good teacher. No, no, he came down and he started to demonstrate the power of the kingdom over sickness and disease and the devil. And we're going to be looking at individual stories that Jesus encountered people and he freed them from illnesses and he freed them from strongholds that they were uh, just being choked out by. And, and this is going to be a, a little bit of a controversial topic for, for many of you guys, healing and, and deliverance, because um, uh, many of us have had experiences where we've prayed for somebody to be healed, and they didn't get healed. And so we were left questioning, well, why? Or we prayed for one person, and they were healed, and then we prayed for our own family member, and they weren't. And we're left wondering, well, wh why is that? How do you reconcile that? Some of us have had our faith shaken because we prayed for a family member, maybe a child. I was there, we prayed for a child. Not just, not just a bunch of us, but a bunch of money churches praying for one child to be healed, and they weren't. And what do you do at the end of that? When, when everybody's filled with faith, that they're going to be healed, and you, oh, now what? Sometimes, like, PTSD can set in with this topic for folks. Because, like, man, I don't know, I had faith, and I got rocked, so I don't know if I can let myself go there again. Anybody ever been there? So we're going to be on a journey. We're not just going to hit this one time. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this from many angles as we see Jesus encounter people. We're going to let these stories be our guide. So at the end of any given week, not every question is going to be answered. We're just going to let these passages raise questions. We'll try to address them. Um, but at the end of any given Sunday, there might be questions that aren't addressed about the topics of healing and, and, and addictions being broken. And you might be like, well, what about this and what about that? And hopefully by the end of this series, these next two months, you'll be like, okay, I, I at least had my question acknowledged, if not answered sufficiently. Not every question is going to be answered sufficiently. Um, so, so with that said, let's, let's pray. Jesus, I believe that you're alive. You rose from the dead. You're reigning and ruling. And even though you're not with us in flesh anymore, you've put your spirit into your church. And you've sent us into the world to demonstrate the authority that you have 
over the curse of this broken world. I pray that for those of us who profess to be followers of you, that we would get clarity on, on what that means. I pray that for those of us who are in need of healing or in need of freedom, in need of uh, deliverance from addictions and strongholds, that we would see in your word your desire, your inclination, your compassion for us, your desire to bring that healing that we need. I pray this in your name. Amen. So the title of today, this specific day, is called, He Sees You and He's Willing. That's just the title. And we're going to be in Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4. Just four little verses. This is the first miracle, the first miracle that Matthew records, that Matthew wrote down. I don't know exactly why Matthew put this one as first, but he put this one as first. Okay? And, and, I, and I, right off the bat, I, I, wanna, I just want to... I want to try to address two, um, two opposite extreme mistakes that we tend to make because of the same lie that we buy into. Both extremes buy into the same lie. And that lie is that the physical and the spiritual are completely separate. And that's a result of the enlightenment and our postmodern thinking. We just kind of separate the physical from the spiritual. And so on one extreme is an emphasis on the spiritual at the expense of the physical. So we might look at these miracles and go, well, that was for that time, or that was just Jesus proving that he was God. We don't need those anymore. We shouldn't expect those miracles anymore. Now we just need to focus on how Jesus came and he died for our sins and he's forgiven us and one day we can go to heaven. Let's just focus on that. Let's not talk about the miracles. That's one extreme because we tend to separate the two. The other extreme is to focus on the miracles. Just focus on, well, God wants to bless you and God wants to heal you. But we don't talk about, we're, we're sinners who, who need the cross of Jesus, who need our sins paid for. We de-emphasize that and just want to talk about God wants to bring blessing. But scriptures, the, the Jewish story, the, the Christian story in scriptures is that they're, they're so linked together. You can't separate the two. When Jesus showed up on the scene and said the kingdom of, of heaven is here, the kingdom of God is here, what he meant was that the reign and rule of God is breaking in to this broken world. They knew that God had always promised to, to renew his good creation. He created it good. It was fractured because the first human beings rebelled against him. Everything unraveled. Everything was subjected to a curse. And, and, but they knew that God promised, I'm going to come and reverse this curse one day. And so when Jesus showed up on the scene, he was saying, hey, that reign and rule of God that's been promised to reverse this curse, it's here. And I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to demonstrate it. And they go together. We can't separate the two. So, let's dive in. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So Jesus had been up on the mountain. That was a sermon on the mountain. He's been doing all these teachings. He comes down. Large crowds are following him. Here comes a man with leprosy. Who's this man with leprosy? We don't know. We don't know much about him. We just know he had leprosy. Now, what was leprosy? Leprosy is a skin disease. It's still around today. We have antibiotics that can treat it. But in this time, it was regarded as highly contagious. 
And it was also regarded as a death sentence. Most likely, you're going to die from it. Because it would start to eat away your skin. That would start first, your hands, your feet, your face. And it would eat up your skin. Your skin would start to shrivel up. But then it would attack your bones. And your hands would get like a claw-like. Can't, can't straighten them out. And eventually, you'd, you'd die. It was painful. Your flesh would putrefy. So you'd smell. There would be this odor. Lepers were um, required to stay unclean, unclean, to let everybody else know, keep their distance. They had to keep a distance of at least six feet away from, 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 from everyone else. And on windy days, it was even further. So this man had leprosy, and he comes to Jesus. We don't know if he was married. Maybe he was married, maybe he wasn't, and we don't know uh, when he got leprosy, how long he had it for. If he was married, I'm left wondering, well, was his wife able to provide? How did this affect her? Did he have kids? Did he have kids? Imagine having kids, and you can't touch him, and you can't go near him, and you can't hug him. And if he's likely to die from this, then that meant it was a life sentence, right? Anybody, anybody deal with some, the, 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 the symptoms of, of being isolated for two years during COVID? Anybody deal with the, the anxiety, the depression? Imagine that, but knowing that it's not going to end. I can't touch my family, my wife, my kids anymore. No birthday parties, no family gatherings. He was forced to say unclean, unclean, because that meant he couldn't go into the temple. He couldn't be part of the covenant community anymore. He couldn't be part of the, 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 the fabric of the Jewish people, their life anymore. It's a life sentence physically, psychologically, emotionally, relationally. And he comes to Jesus. Why does he come to Jesus? There's a couple examples in Scripture of, in the Old Testament. He's a Jewish guy, likely knows the Old Testament. There's a couple examples of God miraculously healing leprosy. Miriam was Moses' sister. She had leprosy for a moment, and God healed her. A man named Naaman had it, and God healed him. And so this, this leper probably knew, okay, God had done miracles. Generally speaking, people die from this, but God had done miracles. And then he hears about Jesus. And we don't know if he saw Jesus do other miracles. We know that this wasn't the first miracle Jesus did, but, but we don't know if this man saw Jesus heal other people, or he just heard his teachings, or he heard about him. We don't know. We don't know. But for some reason, this man connected Jesus with the God of the Old Testament who did supernatural miracles. He comes to Jesus, he calls him Lord. He recognizes him as at least being sent by God, if not God himself. And he recognizes that, okay, Jesus, this guy, can do the miracles that my God, Yahweh, has done in the past. He recognizes that he can do it. And so he goes to Jesus, and he falls at his knees. Now, by doing that, likely the crowds are like, yo, back up off. What's, what's going on here? This guy's a leper, right? He's making kind of a commotion. He g gets close to Jesus. Maybe he maintains the six feet, and he kneels down before him. And he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, that's interesting. He believes that Jesus can heal him. He just doesn't know if he's willing to. Anybody ever been there? Dealing with an illness, dealing with a hardship, dealing with a, a chronic disease perhaps? You're like, I, I know God can, but I don't know if he wants to. 
know if he wants to. I don't know if he's willing. Which kind of makes sense. This guy has been an outcast in society. He's a nobody. Matthew doesn't even give him a name. Matthew, he doesn't even have a name. Like, people just probably know him as the leper. Right? They don't even bother to learn his name. You know, like sometimes we treat people who are lower on, on the rungs of society. Maybe a homeless person. Oh, I bumped into a homeless person on the street. We often don't think to find out their name. What was the name? It was a homeless person. It was the guy in the wheelchair on the corner. Right? This is how we sometimes we just label people according to their, their plight in life. Their difficulties. <coughs> Excuse me. So this guy was just known as a leper. And so this has become his identity. So why would Jesus want to heal him? Why would God see him and want to heal him? Who is he to earn this, to stand out? What's he doing for God's kingdom? Right? So maybe that's what's going on in his head. I don't know if he's willing, but I know he can. And at least knowing he could, having this faith that he could do it, brought him to Jesus. It led him to kind of push through the, the shame and the embarrassment. And people looking at him, people wondering, what's he doing? Why is he trying to get close to Jesus? And he falls at his feet and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. If you're willing. He doesn't know if he is. Let's, let's keep going. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. He reached out his hand, and he touched the man. Why did he touch the man first? I was wondering that. Why? He touches the man before he says, I'm willing, and before he says, be clean, and before the man is even cleaned and, and healed and made whole. Why does he, why does he touch him first? I, I think Jesus was, was showing the man couple things. I'm showing us a couple things too. He was, first of all, touching the man. Maybe it was just a symbol of, hey, you're going to be relationally restored again. You're going to be relationally connected into the covenant family again, into your, your nuclear family again. You're going to be connected in again. I'm just not going to heal you physically of leprosy. You're going to be restored in every way. And by touching the man, it was a reminder that, yeah, we're going to be part of the same family again. You know that spiritually, again, we can't separate spiritual from physical. The, the way we're wired by God as, as embodied creatures, we're wired to be connected to each other spiritually, emotionally, and physically. We're wired to be in close proximity to each other. That's part of being in community. COVID cut us off from each other, and some of us got used to it. Oh, it's convenient being at home. And I put in an email yesterday. If you watch online, I sent an email. Hey, if you're still online for health reasons, you're dealing with stuff, okay, let us know how we can be more connected to you. But if you're watching online for other reasons, come on back. Be in close proximity again. We're wired to be embodied creatures in proximity to each other. And I think Jesus was saying to this guy, I mean, this guy did not take that for granted. A human touch, Wow. Wow. But all, more than that, perhaps, Jesus was showing, right? Remember, crowds are watching this scene. Jesus touches the man with leprosy. Everybody's got to be wondering, what's Jesus going to do with this guy who is highly contagious? 
Jesus doesn't say, this, this is what Jesus does not do. He doesn't say, Father, heal him, and then watches to see if he's healed. Oh, he's healed, and then comes close. He doesn't do that. He doesn't wait to see. He touches the guy while he's still leprous and, con- and considered contagious. And that demonstrates an overwhelming confidence that he's got authority over this disease. That he's not wondering, um, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? This overwhelming confidence, he touches him. I'm willing. Be clean. And the man is made well. Now he says, I'm willing. I want you guys to think about that one. I am willing. I am inclined. I see you and my heart breaks for you. And I want to see you restored. Hey, this is where a lot of us get tripped up. Yeah, yeah, God can, God can, but I don't know if he wants to heal me. And Jesus says to the man, his response was, I'm willing, I'm inclined. I see you. You don't have to earn this. It doesn't matter if other people don't know your name. I know your name. I see you, and I'm willing. Be clean. And immediately the man was cleaned of his leprosy. He was restored. And then Jesus says in verse 4, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So Jesus is not looking for him to uh, go just tell everyone and get the crowds riled up and chasing Jesus around. In fact, in the next two chapters, we're going to see Jesus has a tendency to try to keep away from the crowds a bit. He's, he's operating according to the Father's timetable for his ministry. He's not looking just to be popular for popular sake. He doesn't just want people, the crowds following him just for the, for the miracles. There's a timetable he's walking according to. So he tells the man to go to the, t- go, go to the priest and offer the gift. According to the law of Moses, if you were cleaned of leprosy, you went to, there was a ritual, you went to the temple, and the priest had to officially declare you, okay, you're healed, you're clean. And now you can be part of temple life again. Now you can be restored to your family again. It's okay, everybody. You can go near him. This was, a, this was, this was protocol. Now it didn't happen a lot because people, again, generally weren't healed of leprosy. So Jesus is like, but go do this. Jesus was submitting to the law of Moses. He had said in chapter 5, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He wasn't trying to subvert the law of Moses, although he would get criticized later by the authorities that he was doing that, that he was trying to uh, abolish the law of Moses. He wasn't trying to do that. He was submissive to it. Go, go, go follow protocol. Go show yourself to the priest. The priest will kind of officially say, okay, you're, you're clean. And maybe, maybe perhaps the, the priest would, if he had a, a, a true heart, a sincere heart, he'd say, hey, how did this happen? The guy would tell him, oh, that must be the Messiah. Let's tell everybody about the Messiah. Now, for the most part, the authorities were not looking for the Messiah. They were, they were threatened by Jesus. They were threatened by Jesus' power and his authority. So they felt threatened. And that's why they came after him later, in part. Um, but Jesus submits to the law of Moses here, tells the man to go do the, the, the gift that Moses commanded. And so by, by this passage, Jesus demonstrates a few things. He demonstrates his power over sickness and disease, number one. He demonstrates his compassion towards us and our hurts and our brokenness. His compassion towards the outcasts, those on the outside. And he demonstrates just his, his humility and his submission to the law of Moses, his, his uh, 
perfect obedience to the law in our place is what he is living out right now. But what does this mean for you and I? What does this mean for you and I? This is, this is where we're going to start to prepare to respond, if you will. Prepare to respond to this passage. We always want to hear it and leave. Prepare to respond. What does this mean for you and I? Well, number one, if we're in need of healing, I want you to see in this passage that God not only can heal, but he is inclined to heal. It's his heart bent towards us. Not only can he, but he's inclined to. He doesn't just have the power to, but he sees you. He's willing to. We're going to have some members of our prayer team available up front to pray for you. It doesn't mean you have to come down to be prayed over in order to be healed. But there is something about doing what this man did. What did this man do? He came to Jesus. He moved. He risked the embarrassment of, of being out in public and people criticizing him and whispering about him. What's he doing over here? Why does he think he can get so close? So that's why our prayer team is going to be available. Sometimes we struggle with faith, and prayer team is going to be available just to you know, have the faith to uh, put a hand on your shoulder, right? The book of James tells us to lay hands on each other that as we pray for each other. That's just part of it, and I, and I think it's part of it because we're a body of Christ, and physically is a reminder that we're connected spiritually, Right? But last year, we, we had somebody share a testimony uh, about uh, last year. Sue Weaver shared about how she was just worshiping and singing, and uh, she was, had something going on with her eye, and she was going to need eye surgery, and she was just, it just popped and just leaked, and it was healed while she was just singing and worshiping in her seat. So you don't have to come down with a prayer person. Michael Matt, a few weeks ago, he's just singing up here. Michael Matt shared about how he had something going on with his lungs, Coughing up some blood and a few days, wasn't going away. Had an appointment with the pulmonologist and then somebody here prayed for him. And by the end of the day, he was 80% better. Didn't need the appointment. Nancy Schiavo uh, shared about last year having COVID and then um, asking the, and just it couldn't fight it. It was just you know, on her back, could, you know, getting to the kitchen was a, was, a, was a big ordeal. And then our kids, our kids in kids ministry took a moment and prayed for her, wrote her cards, and by the next morning, she said, it was a, a complete 180. She was cleaning her house. So God, yeah. These are just a few stories that have erupted in our church. And I know the question is, well, what, what about the people who haven't been? I don't know. That'll come up in other stories, perhaps. We'll see. But let's just look at this and go, hey, he's willing. Let that be, let, let, hear that as, as, as his response to you. I'm willing. I see you and I'm willing. Number two, if you're a follower of Jesus, with his spirit in you, he will sometimes heal others through you. He'll give the gift of healing for a moment to heal someone, to put your hand on someone's shoulder and pray for them. Might be somebody after service that you know, here, you came with, and you want to pray for them. Maybe it's somebody at work. But don't just, in a closet, pray, God, can you heal that? Sometimes he calls us to step out in faith. Hey, can I pray for you? Can I risk looking foolish by praying for you? Again, what did Jesus do? He touched him first. And then he said, I'm willing to be clean. Sometimes there's a risk involved that God calls us to. Number three, 
Third thing I see for us, if you're an outcast, God sees you and wants to include you. This wasn't just about this guy's physical healing. It was about restoring him to community. It was about restoring him to his covenant family. That's what God's about. He goes after the outcasts. He goes after those who don't feel like they belong. And that's been a theme the last few weeks. Different people have said for different reasons they feel like they don't belong. They feel like an outcast. They feel like they're not included. God sees you. Jesus sees you. I want you to know that. And his desire to include you is bigger than what anybody else can throw at you. And lastly, number four, if you're a follower of Jesus, God will often use you to include and bring restoration to the outcasts of the world. That's part of being a follower of Jesus is to go after those who are being ostracized, who are, being, who are on the outside, and include them. And, this just popped in my head this week, it might be those of you who feel left out that God wants to use to include someone else who's feeling left out. Because what did Jesus say? We looked at this two weeks ago. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You want to be included? Instead of focusing on the people who aren't including you, turn around and go, well, that guy's not included. Let me include him in my circle. Right? Maybe focus on doing that. So those are four things. I'm going to call a band up. We're going to take a little time today. We're going to worship God. We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to wrestle with some of this. And I want us to just, oh, and the prayer, prayer team. Dan and Cindy, I know. Pastor Rigo. I'll be down here. If you, again, if you need healing or if you're feeling just crushed in spirit, we want to pray for you. If you don't feel comfortable sharing what's going on, you don't have to. You can just say, hey, I need physical healing. We'll, we'll pray. We don't need to know all the details. If you want to share them, okay. But can we stand? sees you and he's willing. He sees you and he's willing. Let that confront the doubts that are swimming around in your heart. But don't overanalyze how much faith you have. Sometimes in the church, sometimes in Christian circles, we can focus too much on how much faith do I have? Do, maybe I don't have enough faith. It's not about the degree or strength of your faith on any given moment. My faith is often weak. I've got some chronic stuff that I deal with, and I've, I've had moments from, you know, you start to analyze, well, maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe I don't have enough. Don't fall into that trap. It's not about the strength of your faith. It's about who your faith is in and who your faith, even if it's weak, leads you to. This leper, he knew Jesus could, and that was enough to bring him to Jesus and to fall at his knees. He didn't know if he was willing, but he knew he could, and he went to his knees. So whatever little bit of faith you might have, in whatever struggle you're dealing with, let it bring you to Jesus. 
Let it move you to take a step towards Jesus. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, let us exercise and demonstrate his heart of compassion, his boldness, his willingness, and his authority to bring healing and restoration to those who are hurting. Let's sing, and again, the prayer team will be available down here.